But um, I seen it, and it was all I needed to see. And it's pure evil. But I want to tell you, I'm not going to tell you anything graphic about it. I'm just going to tell you the premise of it. And I want to show you where America's mindset is today. This is why when you and I go out and preach the words of life, all they know is death. This is why. Because their mind and their brain is consumed with death. I am seeing something on the screen and repulsed by it. I am sitting there dreading another needle in the eyeball. I am dreading another incision across the scalp and the peeling back of the scalp. That's dread. That is not horror and that's not entertainment. It is dread. This is some of the Hollywood writers. It's simply appalling. The uh, Night of the Living Dead, you know, the Chainsaw Mafia, this horrible stuff, the blood and gore. You, you don't want to focus on your life on that because it will haunt you. You have horror movies and wicked movies in your home. Those are gateways for Satan. Horror. Right, eating the tail. Like, usually you pull yeah. the tail off and that, like, that little weirdo poo line. <laughs> yeah, normally you pull the tail off, yeah? But apparently some people leave it on in Australia. Yeah, I don't think they're right in the head, though. But, yeah, I'm oh, sure. Really? Okay. I thought it was a normal thing in Australia. No, I don't think it's normal. We're talking about big prawns here, right? Like king prawns. No, we're talking about, like, shrimp. But it doesn't matter. You should take the shell off for any of them. I feel like we need, like, images to go along with this conversation. Like, like anyone can even know that. <laughs> Welcome to the 48th episode of the Horror Explorer podcast. We are a podcast that is dedicated, somewhat, to turning people on to horror movies that they might have never seen or even heard of. We like to focus on 80s horror movies that most younger horror fans aren't aware of, and some of the more obscure or unusual horror movies that have come out since. I'm Mike, I'm your host, and with me, I have the same three people I have with me every week. We have Jordan. Hey, everybody. We have Alicia. Hello. And finally, Critical Dave. Hello, I'm here. So uh, did you do usual. another screening? Yeah, yeah, screening. yeah. I did actually. I did a screening of Dead Girl last night, and I got. Let me think. I need to count. Four other people. Yeah, four other people. <laughs> One person walked out halfway through, but that was okay. Everybody else found it hilarious. Did they bail out due to the uh, rapish content? content? No, no. It was because we started watching it at two a.m. Oh, oh. Yeah, but everybody else found it hilarious, so that was good. He's Dead Girl is not a good movie, but it's a funny movie. If that's your idea of humor. Have you guys, either of you other guys seen that? Yeah, I didn't find it that funny. No, Jordan, we've watched it like five times together. What are it's, you talking about? It's stupid, but... That's, that's why it's so funny. Well, yeah, it's funny because it's this bad, pretty I pretty much the worst video ever made. It's a terrible movie, but it's so funny because it's bad. It's like yeah. if a fourteen-year-old tried to write an edgy horror film. Yeah, that is kind of true. What did you it say is... this movie was about? It's like a love triangle between these three boys in high school, and they're tr- they run into like a zombie and the Terminator while they're in high school. What? <laughs> it's really about they find a zombie in a basement and rape it a lot. But um, there you I go. like let's, let's say it's a romantic comedy. It's a romantic comedy. That's true. It has romantic. You're, you're comedy really on. selling. You're really selling it to the female audience members. 
<laughs> we have I to- have seen it. I, I don't remember thinking it was particularly funny. <laughs> but I, I definitely remember the raping of dead girls. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, no, that's not the funny part. Those are the boring parts. The boring, the funny parts are the like high school cliche scenarios that actually now that I think about it, out of the four people I got to watch it, one of them was a girl and she was the one who left halfway through. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah, probably. So every week I make these three folks watch one of the older horror movies I was talking about, usually it's something I like or that I'm nostalgic for, something I'm fond of. Because the whole point of the podcast, again, is to make younger horror fans aware that the best new horror movie they see this year could be a movie that came out before they were even born. You know, you got to hunt this stuff down and find it. And if you don't, well, I'll find it for you and shove it down your throat. Yeah, this week Mike made us watch Troll. Which is not very so different from Troll 2. Yeah, it's not Troll 2. It's Troll. Were any of you familiar with this movie already? Yeah, I'd seen it, like, once or twice beforehand. I had seen it, but I had never, like, really sat down and actually watched it from, like, from beginning to end. I saw it as a kid, and I remember it scarred me, but I enjoyed it this time around. You know, it's got to be a different experience for you because uh, you're female, and uh, the, the, this focuses on a little girl. She's kind of like the victim through the whole thing in a sense. You know, and it's got to be where the other, where a male child would probably sympathize with the older brother more. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Also because early on in the film, well, for the vast majority of the film, I think as a viewer, you assume that poor little girl has been murdered brutally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, she so lasts in the film for about 30 seconds. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you do think she gets killed off pretty quick. So what's this movie about? Well, the way I'll describe it is all the residents of an apartment building suffer when someone with kids moves in, just like real life. That's pretty much horrible (laughs) right there. That's something I dreaded the whole time I lived in an apartment. So one of these kids gets possessed by a troll who uses her, like he kind of takes over her body, and he's on a mission to rebuild his world utilizing the apartment building and all of its residents as fodder. The Bratz family and this good witch who happens to live in the apartment, coincidentally, they try to get together and stop him before it's too late. So this is a Charles Band movie. You know, I've brought Charles Band up many times. He's like the uh, Roger Corman of VHS video. Uh, He's done a wide variety of stuff of varying quality. You know, he's all the full moon stuff he's produced and he's directed some of it. The Puppet Master series. But he's also done really great stuff like Tourist Trap and Terror Vision, which are both excellent. And Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which is also good. That was oh, yeah. a Full Moon Charles Band production? Yeah, yeah. He was the producer on that, even though the Chodo Brothers directed it. Oh, okay. You know, I probably didn't notice that before. Well, maybe I it was Richard Band. It. it was one of the bands. <laughs> yeah. Well, coincidentally, Richard Band, who does score typically, he did the music for this, which mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get into later. Yes. Uh, another a couple of interesting things about the cast and crew. This has got Elaine from Seinfeld in it. Are you guys too young to know Seinfeld? No, oh, I know Seinfeld. Love Seinfeld. Yeah, I know Seinfeld. Dave, I know what it is. I was gonna say I, I'm skeptical of your claim to know what it is. Can you name like three characters from Seinfeld? Jerry. Um. Well, one sec. <laughs> Give me a second. Ed is Ed one. Ed. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry is oh. definitely one. Yeah, Jerry. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, I'm drawing blanks. I only know Jerry. You want to help George and Kramer? Oh, okay, okay, got it, got it. Newman. 
The super no, Nazi? Ew. I should have known Newman. I think George right. is... I thought George was Ed. <laughs> she pay, plays a, a pretty minor role in this, and it's not very important, but you do recognize her when you see her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of her earlier ones, too. Uh, another interesting thing about this, this has Sonny Bono in it. Okay, This will be a little harder because, Dave, your parents probably weren't even conceived when Sonny Bono became famous. <laughs> uh, do you know who he is? Nope. Okay, do you, Alicia or Jordan? Yeah, yeah he's he a was, musician. Yeah, he was Cher's husband. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep, do you know who Cher, Cher is, Cher. I do know who Cher is. There you go. I'm sure he's got one of her CDs. <laughs> God damn it, Mike. <laughs> yeah, so Sonny and Cher were like this hippie couple, and uh, they had one, pretty much one song that I think they might have had a couple other hits, but really the only thing that lasted was I Got You, Babe. Which uh, somehow they managed to milk that into like 20 years of pop culture relevance. I'm pretty sure they were even guests on Scooby-Doo one time. You know, kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters. They had a TV show and stuff like that for a while. And eventually Cher ditched Sonny because she wanted to fuck one of the Allman Brothers or something. And go on to make some of the worst dance music on the planet. Uh, Sonny kind of had a solo act, but it didn't really work out. So he turned into a Republican. And uh, he became the mayor of Palm Springs. And then in the 90s, he actually became a United States congressman he was a u.s representative from california and you know that's pretty crazy that there's actually a congressman in this movie uh, sonny's greatest solo hit came in 1998 when he skied into a fucking tree and died <laughs> god and that was the second time he hit a tree you think he would have learned the first time so we'll see what these guys think about the movie troll right wait, after we're this. missing a cast member wait wait are we waiting we haven't talked about moriarty yet Oh, yeah. We skipped Michael Moriarty. How can you skip yeah, he's, Michael Moriarty? You know why? Because he doesn't, he doesn't stand out on this list. He doesn't, I mean, he doesn't oh, stand out on the movie. You know what I mean? He stands out on the movie. movie. I don't think so. Well, he stands out more than any of the other actors. I disagree again. Okay. He only has one Moriarty-esque scene, and that's when he's <laughs> dancing around. That's true, yeah. <laughs> but that scene was worth it. That scene so makes what do you got to say mention. about him, Dave? I'm you just going to say Michael Moriarty, Larry Cohen's best friend, is in this movie. Uh, you might also okay, recognize Michael Moriarty from uh, Law and Order. He's in the first few seasons of that as the like main lawyer. Oh, yeah, I've never. Yeah. I didn't live with an elderly person when uh, Law and Order was on TV, so I've never actually seen it. Uh, hey, does Lon- he act all ridiculous like he does in the movies? No. I think he's a straight guy in them. He's pretty, like, down well, the Well, he tries to play straight people in this, these movies, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's not exactly low-key in the stuff or uh, Hugh. Well, he tries his best to be. He just can't restrain himself. Perhaps he's mellowed out with age. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, he could. I mean, he is pretty old now. That was, like, 30 years ago. Yeah. All right, Dave, can we, can we go to the promo break now? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, we'll be right back after this. If you'd like to contact us here at the Horror Explorer Podcast, you can reach us via email at horrorexplorerpodcast at gmail.com, or you can interact with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash horrorexplorer, and you can follow us on our Twitter account, at horrorexplorer. All right, we're back, and as usual, we're going to start with Critical Dave, but first off, Dave, let's just get the obvious thing out of the way here. I have been told you are planning a child sacrifice. 
Yeah. Uh, these children would be lucky to be sacrificed because this movie already sacrificed <laughs> their acting career. But um, this the child actors in this movie, just to get it out of the way before I start on anything else, the child actors are atrocious and make the movie almost unbearable throughout its runtime. But that's okay because luckily all the adult actors are almost all just as bad as the child actors. For example, whoever plays the mother is ridiculous and underacts or overacts in every scene. Well, let's stick to the kids here for a minute because once again – I disagree with you. Okay. I think that the little girl did a decent job when she wasn't doing the -the over-the-top stuff screaming. Uh, You know, she has to portray a troll that has taken over a little girl's body. And I think when she has to switch back and forth between, you know, being the troll, obviously, and being a little girl, she does a good job. And I also think the way she reacts to things that a troll would not know about, like, for instance, the refrigerator and stuff like that, the physical acting that she does with it and looking at stuff and contemplating it and trying to understand what it is, I thought she did a good job at that. And, you know, any time a child actor does anything that doesn't completely fucking blow, I mean, I give that a thumbs up. See, I disagree with that because I'd say a good performance for a child actor is not the same as a good performance for an adult actor. You can have good child actors, but that just because they act better than the average child actor does not make them a good actor. I think I saw somewhere that she was nominated for an award for this performance. Was it a Razzie? No, it was not a Razzie. What a dick. Did you guys, I I don't know, again, if you guys have even seen this or you know what I'm talking about, but, you know, you don't really recognize the brother, but the brother has a pretty major credit to his name. You've mentioned this to me before, but I forget. He he played Atreyu in The NeverEnding Story. Okay, yeah, I don't know who what that is. I know Never Ending Story, but I don't know who it's story right. is. Jesus, he's the I know kid what it with is. the horse that gets caught in the swamp. You know, he's like the main character of the story part of the movie. And the horse is too depressed to get to, through the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> the horse needs some cymbalta or something. Remember, you can only pass through like if you're not sad, and so he just strolls through happy. And then the horse, you realize, it's has like a lot of horse issues. And you're like, fuck, I'm going to be eating hay again today. <laughs> he's, he's hard to recognize with his hair short because he had yeah. hair. And I really don't think he pulls off any of the emotion or anything that he did in the never-ending story either. I thought he, he kind of sucked in this. Yeah. Which was first? How old is never-ending story? Never-ending story was 84 and this is 86, I believe. Oh, okay. So maybe it was puberty. All right, Dave. That's okay, your cue. Okay. Anyway, so – Oh, to start off, now that the child acting and all the acting is out of the way, let me talk about the opening. So we start out on an extreme long shot just showing a castle, and that would be okay, except there's no style whatsoever to it. It's just showing the location. And for me, it's a red flag whenever a movie, instead of having an original or unique or, well, those are synonyms, or a creative opening image they just start off on a location sometimes it works really well well, hang on here you don't think that you know setting it up by showing a castle with with fairy tale fantasy music isn't setting it up and kind of showing you something well it is but it's not showing it in an interesting or creative way it's like the shot is super bland so it's not very visually interesting and yeah it's just not creative That's my uh, mark against it. It's very bland, in my opinion. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. 
Yeah, well, if it's something's bland, I'm not going to be as interested or entertained by it. So that's a mark against the movie, for me at least. I, I like yeah. how Dave talks to the drops like they're people. <laughs> he, like, replies to them. I have to defend myself from the sound. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So that's actually an issue I had with the cinematography in this movie throughout because it's shot – very methodically like every shot is just there to capture the action like no shot seems particularly motivated there are actually i I take that back what i agree i thought the cinematography in this was wildly plain exactly yeah that's how i describe it as well super bland super methodical um if we're going to go into lighting too it looked like a stage the way the lights were set up when the shadows were super heavy okay anyway so the lighting was just it looked like a theater performance looked like a stage looked like a stage set and i don't want my apartment that's supposed to be naturalistic to look like a set if you're going for an expressionistic vibe then i'm fine with it but the movie was not so it was just it just took me out of the film there it made me stop thinking that they were in a real place and it made me start thinking that they were actors on a stage and you don't i don't want to be taken out of a movie like this like that you know so i remember okay. feeling like that i remember thinking that the apartments were quite big mm-hmm. did anyone else get that or is that just like standard american apartment size uh you know we live pretty large over here in america so, really? I mean, to me, they just look like apartments. You know, anytime anything you see anything on TV, it's always a little more grandiose. You know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're big for apartments, but they're not gigantic or anything like that. Yeah. I think they had like a lot of custom layouts that you wouldn't necessarily see in apartments, custom furniture and things as well. Yeah, they were all very different. Like Sonny Bono's apartment with his <laughs> little quagmire bar and <laughs> bed set up. Yeah, he was kind of like a quagmire character, wasn't he? Yeah, very much. Yeah. I mean, the first thing he says to his new neighbors is like, you, just so you know, like, I'm a swinger. You better not be, like, cock-blocking me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of that scene, I found that whole scene to be one of the high points of the film, even though it's not shot well, because it's just watching Michael Moriarty interact with a bunch of eccentric residents. So I, I found that inter- interesting, at least. Like, I liked their interactions, and I laughed at the swingers thing. Yeah. It reminds me of Terrorvision. It's like Terrorvision yeah. if Terrorvision weren't self-aware. Maybe for that that 2 or 3 seconds. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, something else I wanted to talk about was uh what was I going to talk about? Oh, the dialogue in general. Yeah, so the dialogue Every time the, the little girl is playing a little girl who is possessed by a troll. So the troll is supposed to say things that are like creepy or foreboding to the residents right before she kills them. But all of the stuff that's supposed to be creepy just comes off as embarrassingly poorly delivered. You know, I, I don't found know the award really that she creepy. won, by the way, oh. in terms of poorly delivered. She was nominated for a Young Artist Award in 1987, exceptional performance by a young actress. Oh, my God. How embarrassing. And that, that would almost have to be in Troll. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because definitely. It's, it in, it's on IMDb under the – it was the only award that the the movie was nominated for was her performance. I think she did an above-average job. But above-average for me does not translate into good for a child performance. Yeah, nothing's good for I'm you, Dave. I'm complaining about hey, everything. Hey. 
I liked the last two movies we watched. I liked Piranha and uh, The Burbs. So I think it's well overdue for me to dislike something. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for me to hate something. <laughs> but, but yeah, like we already said, all the shots are too wide and uninteresting. There's never a single interesting moment of editing. The only thing that's vaguely intriguing Bullshit. are the – What? There's never an interesting moment of editing. There's one. Yeah, and that's one. when she first when, – when the troll – uh, turns into her and he looks at his ring and she's got the ring on and then it transitions to her showing the ring to her mother like at breakfast or dinner or something like that. Yeah, it, like fine. shows that's her fine. hand and then – yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I say that's fine but not particularly above, not particularly interesting. I'd say I it's thought above it was average. a nice transition. Yeah, yeah, it's a good transition, but I wouldn't say it's above average for this movie. But it normally stuff like that wouldn't stand out as above average in a film. It would be like an expected transition. Like think about how interesting the transitions were in Piranha. We get nothing of that caliber here. Yeah. But actually, now that you bring it up, there were some interesting moments. For example, when the troll eats the little girl, we instead of seeing him eat the little girl, we see the ball like bounce into like space. We just see the ball drop. What the drop. fuck are you talking about, Dave? But that's because he didn't eat her. No, no. When the troll takes... Have any children that live? <laughs> okay. He doesn't we... eat the little girl. Well, when the little girl disappears and he takes over her body, then is when he we see the ball drop. And the ball bounces on the ground in the laundry room. Do you remember she that? She disappears thought? and he transforms into her. Yeah, yeah. But regardless, I'm not talking about the plot. I'm talking about just the ball dropping onto the ground. Because the yeah. kid was holding the ball, then we see the ball drop onto the ground to signal something has happened to the kid in a very uh, – not not subtle, but in a non-explicit way. And I liked that well enough. Yeah, I did too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But also something I want to talk about were the effects – I thought the effects were very well done for the most part. The green transformation effects were not good, and the stop motion was very noticeable, Which I, and I don't think that was good. But I, I liked the effects on the trolls themselves, even though yeah. they weren't very interesting. Stop motion is yeah. always a bit noticeable, though, isn't it? Not always. Like in mm-hmm. Prana, for example, the stop motion wasn't that noticeable. To be fair, I mean, if you haven't watched a lot of stop motion stuff, like the Harry House and stuff and stuff like that, the stop motion in Piranha for that little dude that's running around in the lab, that is really exceptional. That is some of the best stop motion that you'll see because it was so smooth. They did so many frames on it. They did a good job blending it with the foreground and the background that weren't stop motion. It was really, really well done. I mean, that was Harryhausen level, and Harry, and that's Harryhausen like towards the end level, like Clash of the Titans. Most stop motion, you can't compare it to that. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Just this stop motion was not good, I would say. Yeah, this was definitely below below what they should have been capable of doing at the time. Yeah, yeah, especially for late '80s. Another thing I found, another thing I liked, let me say, is Ooh. what? what <laughs> Why do you say you Ooh. liked something? I want to hear this. But yeah, it's, it's when Michael Moriarty dances to the music. So I didn't like it because it was good. I liked it because the camera just happened to be rolling on set and he did just decided to start dancing. This was him out of character and he just started dancing to the music. And then they thought, hey, let's incorporate this into an entire scene, an entire plot point. So I found that hilarious because I constructed a narrative in my head where he's just dancing 
off camera, but the camera happened to be rolling, and that's it. They decided to make so it. That, so you're saying that narrative's only in your head? Like you yes. can't distinguish between reality and fantasy? No, no, I'm saying I found that scene amusing for that reason. Oh, okay. But I in all it actuality, it probably was a scripted scene? Oh, of course it was, yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure what you were saying there, Dave. <laughs> yeah, but I found it amusing because of Michael Moriarty's persona. Because I view Michael Moriarty in a Michael Moriarty movie as not his character, but as Michael Moriarty, which is why he was so amusing. He was the best performance, in my opinion, in this film. Oh, Jesus. You yeah. got a hard-on for this guy, man. He sucks. <laughs> I mean... I fucking can't stand him. Even in this one, where he's kind of low-key mm-hmm. a little bit, he's still... I just can't stand him. Well, I shouldn't say I liked his performance, and I shouldn't say he was the best performance. Sorry, that was false. I would say he's the most entertaining performance. And in a movie where every performance is terrible, I'm going to go with the least, the most entertaining versus the best. All right. Does that make sense? As much as it can coming out of your mouth. What else you got? Okay. Um, another positive I had was the narrative was relatively cohesive. Like, considering all the rest of it, they could have made a movie that's just no narrative almost. Like, something like The Stuff, for example, like the Larry Cohen films. But this movie, it actually had a narrative. So I was like, okay, I can follow this. You know, there's a logical progression of events. So, gold star for the movie. You know, I just I felt it was simplistic. There was nothing extraordinary about it. But it was yeah, coherent. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely coherent. And coherent is all I expect of something like this when the rest of the movie, all other aspects of it fail. But another thing is the child death is reversed at the end, which I didn't view that as a negative. I just viewed it as kind of like, oh, okay. So the one positive this movie might have had, the one slightly transgressive thing this movie might have had is now reversed. Wait, the positive was that the kid died in your eyes? Well, yeah, it's slightly transgressive. It's slightly unique, you know? For whatever reason, I can't put my finger on it. I was never left with the impression that she was dead. Hmm. I I don't know. I got that impression impression from the shadows. Because it looks like he's eating her, which is why I always say he eats her. But I suppose not. I got the impression from that first scene that she gets smoked, like she's toast. And... (laughs) Uh, she gets smoked. Yeah, and of I was course just like, you wow, this movie's going to be this movie's going to be brutal because they murdered a child in the first you know ten seconds or whatever, and then no, they didn't. Wow, yeah. you must have been really disappointed because this is like the antithesis of brutal. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually like the first time I saw this, I didn't even make it halfway through because I was just like, oh, nothing happens in this. Yeah, so I think that's about all I have to say about this movie. So this movie was boring and fails on a technical level. None of the shots are interesting. The special effects are passable when they're practical. Well, passable when they're uh, just the creature effects. But aside from that, they fail. The music was overly loud and obnoxious. The performances were all unbearable. The editing was bland. No more. Uh, I will agree to that. So halfway through, I wanted to turn it off, but I did not. Unfortunately, I watched the whole thing, but one out of ten. Jesus. One out of ten. Fucking Jesus, man. All right. (sighs) All right, Jordan, what do you think about this? 
I didn't hate it as much as that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just a little taken aback. Sorry. So <laughs> I guess I want to talk about some of the things that I more notice in this movie. The puppets, not very good. I, I'm a connoisseur of creatures, I guess. And, you know, I feel like they're trying to rip off gremlins or something, but they just, the puppets, they don't have as much personality as you see in a lot of uh, these older movies. And they don't have. They were very static looking. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of articulation. The smaller ones, it just looked like it was on someone's hand and wiggling around. Only the almost- main troll had a bit. He could move his eyes and his mouth and, like, his eyebrows went up and down. He had a yeah, bit the- I liked the main character troll is okay. Like, that costume's all right. But I mean more like the actual, like, almost hand puppets, the smaller creatures, when we start to get a bunch of them. Mm. They they just lack personality. They're not very distinctive. Like, a lot of them I look agree. like they were almost store-bought, which to me is just yeah. unforgivable when you're designing a creature for a film. So I, th- I was really disappointed in their creature design. Um they did do some interesting things. I liked some of the uh, plant effects they did. It was interesting that we got a little bit of a pod person vibe. Uh, this movie yeah. is almost like it's it's an amalgamation of like a bunch of different better movies, like taking little ideas from them and then just not really capitalizing on any of those. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of bland. Yeah, like, we get, like, a little taste of, like, Princess Bride. You get, like, a little taste of uh, Gremlins. You get, like, a little taste of a lot of different things going on. But, like, none of it's, well, very well executed at all. Yeah, you know, they don't, like, they've got that whole fantasy world that he's building in the apartments. Because the whole the whole point of this thing is he takes over the little girl. He goes from apartment to apartment, turning the residents into like these pods that erupt into plants and like little trolls come out of it. And then their apartments turn into a world, a fantasy world, like with a full outdoors and everything. And they're there. But when people go into them, they don't get explored. You don't get any really good wide shots of it. You don't really get into those fantasy worlds. It doesn't take advantage of them. Yeah, yeah, I'd say the narrative progresses in a very formulaic manner, and it's just one apartment gets taken care of, then we get a little more quote-unquote character development, then another apartment gets taken care of, etc., etc., rents and repeat, and that was very boring. Yeah. Um, all the characters are poorly written, or not necessarily poorly written, but they're all cookie cutters. They're all very, you know, you have the military guy, the swinger guy, the, you know, milk toast family. Uh, I guess the like the couple. Yeah, even the witch, like, is pretty standard, like, good witch of the East or whatever. You know, they're all very all standard characters that you can find in literally anything. I wouldn't say they even do the standard characters well, though. I think they're all worse than cardboard cutouts. They're worse yeah, I, than just stereotypes. Yeah, I could say see that because they're they don't really develop on their stereotype at all. It's just they are their stereotype basically. Like they everything they do is to fulfill that the stereotype of that character, I guess. Well, what I mean is I feel like they don't even get enough development in their actions or dialogue to say that they're any one stereotype, if you know what I mean. Like, and you, only you, repl- you guys are applying this to every single character in the movie? Yes. 
I mean, maybe not every single. Yeah, but maybe not everyone. The yeah. vast majority. Yes. Well, who stands out to you, Mike? Well, the best part of the movie, in my opinion, is Malcolm, the little person. Oh well, yeah, he's good. He's he's a great actor, and I really like you. You almost you almost I get the feeling that he's the one that fleshed that character out and made it stand out because you know he you can't play a little person unless you're a little person, and he it seems like he was using that role to try to represent for little people with that character, and he was pulling a lot of the emotion from his real life, like his experiences as a child and stuff like that. And I really liked how it went into you know how. He was different and he was special. And as a child, he wished, you know, that he, you know, he'd end up in some fantasy world or something like that. And it kind of became congruent to where the movie was going, you know, and how he eventually gets turned into an elf by the uh, troll and becomes part of that fantasy world and stuff like that. I really like that. And I wish they would have spent more time on him and what it was like being, you know, the struggles of being a little person. You know, they even go so far as like, when he gets invited to the family's house by the little girl who's actually a troll, uh, when he shows up, they're expecting a kid, and the way they treat him in the first couple of minutes is probably pretty typical of the shock and confusion that they have to deal with when they're dealing with other people. I do agree with that. I think the the little person slub, subplot is the best thing this movie has going for it, and the, that guy's performance is by far the best performance of anybody in this movie. Yeah, mm, I agree with I agree. that. He also, yeah. he played the main troll. He was the one, like, in that. Costume. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. But I also think that the whole short people representing short people or little people subplot was incongruent with the rest of the film. Like, it seemed like it should have been its own thing and its own developed thing versus just, like, a sideshow filler thing. Because I, I felt that it didn't really mesh with the rest of the narrative. So it meshed so little for me that I even forgot about it until just now. Yeah, that's also true, though. That is, I felt it worked. I, I felt it should have been a bigger part of the movie. And it definitely should have been uh, more of the foundation of the movie and what was going on with the plot. But I'm thankful it was there because it was the only performance I enjoyed. It was the only character that I cared about through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Which makes his kind of, what's the word, like throwaway demise a little obnoxious, in my opinion. It's not a throwaway demise. I mean, is this one of those ones where you watch the movie at like three in the morning after you got No, no, I watched this movie like five hours ago. Okay. It's it's not a throwaway demise because he's talking to her and she's really a troll and doesn't know it. And she's like, well, you look sick. And he's like, well, you can tell that. And of course, she knows because she's, you know, a troll or whatever. (laughs) And, you know, she thinks he's an elf. Or should be an elf or something like that. And she he's telling her about how as a kid he dreamed that he'd, you know, be something else and he's special and he'd be in a world with dragons and unicorns and stuff like that. And then she steps behind a chair, turns into the troll, and the troll doesn't look evil, it doesn't look hateful, it doesn't look ominous, it just smiles. It pulls out its little ring that it uses to turn people into fucking pods. And you know that he's going to finally get his wish. He's like, I'm gonna wait. I waited and waited for it to happen, and it never happened. And now the troll gets to grant his wish and goes back and turns him into a pod. And a couple scenes later, he comes out, and he's an elf. And it's it's better than any of the other puppets in the movie, and it looks a lot like him. And I like the interaction between that, that Malcolm elf puppet and the troll. I thought that was some of the best puppetry and facial expressions and stuff on the puppet in the whole movie. And I actually thought that scene was really well done, that whole sequence with him. 
everything with him I thought was very well done, right from when he rescues the little girl from getting hit by the car. Yeah, but once again, my argument goes back to context because I would argue it is a throwaway death or throwaway kill or whatever, however, whatever you would call it, because it has no bearing on the rest of the film. Like he, after he becomes an elf, that's the last we see of him and his death. He's just another apartment, you know, at at the end of the day, he's just another apartment. His turning into an elf has no bearing on the troll's character or his character or not. It does uh, affect his character, but nobody else aside from the troll knows that he's been turned into an elf and nobody really reacts to it. And the film is not changed in any way by him turning into an elf. Sure. It matters for that subplot, but the subplot is disconnected from the rest of the film, in my opinion. So it, it doesn't make sense. It does make sense, but it doesn't mesh with the rest of the film. Like him dying, he could have been anyone. And the result you would have been the same. You keep saying dying and stuff like this, you know, and I don't think it's established that he, he's, he's, he dies. He's reborn. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dying, and that's, that's, that's the apex. That's the whole purpose of his character, I guess, is he's showing that the the troll is sympathetic to his own people. And again, you see the troll having sympathy and not being a totally malignant agent at the end of the film, too. So it kind of gives you a little insight into the troll is not completely evil. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's understandable. I'll uh, give you that. But I still think Matt just- had a word for this when we go back and forth about one little thing way too long. I can't remember what it was. It was some Australian thing. Alicia, do you know? No, I can't remember. It's not a little no, thing, though. I think because you're saying it's the best scenes in the film, and I would agree with that. They're the best executed, but because they don't fit in with the rest of the film, I'm not really... Do you ever stop talking? <laughs> hey, we're just having a discussion. <laughs> well, I know. I think we've gone a little too long on that, but the right, subtle right. hint just totally blew right past you. Jordan, please continue. Um, I, I've completely lost the plot. <laughs> <laughs> You were talking, you asked us if there was any performances or anything else that we liked in the movie. And right. I, I brought up Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That was that was a good part. Um, his acting's good. Those scenes are good. Everything else, well, substandard puppets, substandard effects in mo- for the most part. I, I, there's nothing that stands out. The music was just terrible all throughout. Overbearing. You didn't like the music? No, I, I didn't. And I think you had a clip of the theme song, if we could hear it. Yeah, let's get a few bars of this for the audience. <laughs> Non-stop. Yeah, and this song goes on for like 15 minutes. Please, Mike, make it stop. Make it stop. <laughs> oh, Thank God. Jesus, it's yeah, like a breath of air when it's silent. <laughs> yeah. So it, this, it does have some things going for it, this film. Uh I do like there's a lot of interesting actors in it, although all their performances are terrible. The, like there is one I do, did really enjoy uh, the scene like where they're all meeting each other and the fire alarms going. It has quite a bit of comedy in it, but for the most part, this movie is not very watchable. And I would say it's about five out of ten. You'd be much better off with most other movies. <laughs> not very watchable. I love it. Dave has an ally. All right, Alicia. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I 
thought that the acting was not nearly as bad as you guys. I, the little girl was nominated for an award. Like, maybe it wasn't a legit award, but people thought she did pretty well. Alicia, um, um, The Martian <laughs> was nominated for Best Picture Oscar. I also quite liked The Martian. Are we talking about the recent one with Matt Damon? Yeah, the recent one with Matt Damon. Yeah, I don't I mind that. that. Too. I guess I'll just stay quiet then. <laughs> um... Uh, I really, really liked the physical effects, the Sonny Bono turning into the creepy little green cocoon. I thought that that was done really well. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, on that, I think that's like one of, that's the special effects highlight of the movie. You know, it might really be the only exceptional thing in the movie, special effects wives, but that whole transformation scene, uh, it kind of left me with an anticipation that there'd be more of a body horror vibe with the, with the people transforming. But after that, you just go to just, oh, there's a person and then you come back later and they're a pod and you come back later and it's the bunch of plants and some trolls. But that transformation scene, I think is really good. Yeah, I agree. Are we? Did he definitely die? Like they they died, right? When they turned into cocoons and forest burst from them, one would assume. You know, it's it's kind of to me. It seems really ambiguous. I'm not sure because there's a bunch of confusing things that go on here. Uh, they, you know, Sonny Bono turns into a bunch of plants and some random little trolls that are nothing like him. I did like how when he turned, like they, he stabs him with the ring, his face starts swelling, his arms start swelling. It's really good special effects, good body horror mm. special effects. And then he gradually like kind of turns into this pupa over three or four scenes. It looks like an insect pupa, like a larva that splits open. And at one point it's just this big, looks like a big green maggot, like a, like a chrysalis for a uh, butterfly. And it's still got his clothes on. I really liked how that pupa had a bunch of gray chest hair all over it. I thought that <laughs> yeah. was great. From there, they don't they don't do anything like that again. But it really, I thought there was going to be more body horror in it because of that scene. Because I thought that was a well done effect. Yeah, I completely agree. But it sort of, to some extent, kind of confused me as to who the movie was for, like who the intended audience was. Because when I first watched it, I was quite young. I think I was like seven or something. I think it is supposed to be a kid's film. but like I agree. That scene in particular, like it is quite graphic. And then obviously it's sort of the sex addict who turns into <laughs> like the you know, body horror thing. There, there are some adult themes for sure. I kind of lost track of what we were talking about there about whether they die or not. So I got hung up on that scene. But like, so you get the impression that he dies, but then when it's, when it's Elaine from Seinfeld, she just comes out of the cocoon as herself again with a bunch of clones of her. And she's like got, she's like a fairy or a dryad or something like that. I don't know, but it's like still her. She's like prancing around kind of mischievously and taunts her boyfriend and stuff. So it still looks like her. And then when Malcolm comes out of the pod, he's Malcolm, but he's an elf. And then, at towards the end, the troll gets the witch woman, the neighbor, who's like his ex-wife or some shit. I don't know. And he turns her into a talking tree stump. But at the end of the movie, you know, when everything is resolved, she's outside again and she says something to the boy. Like, you know, not bad for a human or something like that and walks off. So she's restored to what she was before. I was expecting to see the neighbors come out of there at some point or something like that. And it's left really ambiguous as to whether they live or they die when the whole movie resolves. Yeah. And it's a bad <laughs> ambiguous. It's not a good ambiguous. Well, actually, I just thought of something. At the very end, a police officer's like, we should go check it out. 
and he goes into the laundry room or whatever downstairs, and he gets sucked into that fantasy world and the trolls there. So maybe all these creatures that were created out of these pods made out of the residents are still in that world too. Yeah, but the what's her name, the good witch or whatever, she was also created in that world, so she should stay there. Why? Like her stump but she, was created. She's there. a witch, though. She's a witch. She's magical. Those other people are just humans. Okay. Don't fuck with me, Dave. <laughs> Anyways, Elise, uh, Alicia, please continue. Um. Yeah. Uh, you were saying you, you were you thought it was intended as a kids movie, which I agree with. Yeah. Just um, some of it I thought was a little bit adult, and it's probably why it freaked me out so much as a little kid. Um, Did you yeah, ever I, see The Dark Crystal? Yeah, I love The Dark Crystal. And that had some scary shit in it too, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. The what are they called? Skirt, skirt. The skexies. Yeah, and those very big creepy. Beetle things and stuff like that. Early back, back in the eighties, you know, and I was like, you know, back then when this stuff came out, I was like eight, ten years old or whatever. Uh, children's horror movies were intended to scare children. They did not use kids' gloves. I mean, they didn't go with the gore or the sex or the cursing, but they weren't afraid to scare the kids with some creepy looking shit, like something like Poltergeist, for example. Is that supposed to be a kids' film? No. Oh. Well, it's supposed to be like a halfway film. It's about kids, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not meant like to appeal hard. to the whole family. Yeah, yeah. You bring your whole family to it. But nice. I think this movie was meant to scare kids. This is just a PG, this is almost a G-rated movie, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the um, the puppetry was, was fairly decent as well. Like, it's no Jim Henson creation, but I thought that it was pretty good. And they had all the gross little... Like wet snot coming out of the the hand puppets, and they had quite a yeah. few of them. I mean, I guess part of me was comparing it to Troll Two, which I know they're sort of unrelated. <laughs> but in Troll Two, it's basically like it's just a mask from a two dollar shop. Like such poor effort. Whereas with these ones, they made all these different size puppets. I, I thought, yeah, I thought they did fairly well. Like but if we're comparing it to Troll 2, then any movie does fairly well. Dave is not going to let anyone True. say anything positive <laughs> about this movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and I agree as well. The acting you was... You ruined was, my karma! <laughs> uh, yeah, the acting was a bit over the top. Not like that. A bit like that sound. But, um, but I, still, I still enjoyed all the performances. I thought the... Um, the scene with the dad dancing was like a little bit bizarre. They hung around on that for too long, admittedly. Michael but, Moriarty, how can you not? Yeah, it was too much. And then his wife comes out and is just like, oh, you. It's like, your husband's <laughs> a complete weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> the, the parents as well, I was getting kind of frustrated when the kid, the daughter was definitely like not right in the head. She's like pouring juice in front of them and like locking eyes like in a very fuck you banner and they're like aha crazy kids like she just she's getting used to the new apartment it's like she's she's biting people she's not right that's kind of again that makes that's what makes me think that it's directed towards children because one of the aspects of that in the 80s some of the children horror stuff the stuff that was effective that worked on me is this whole uh, the kid, you know, in this case, the brother knows something is wrong and nobody's taking him seriously. No one's listening to him, just like in Deadly Spawn or, you know, in any of the other movies where the kid's kind of important to the plot or whatever. It kind of tries to creep out the kids by putting them in the situation where their appeals to authority are completely ignored and no one believes them. Mm. I thought the scene where he finally sort of cottons on was a little bit too, like they really 
fed it to you. You know, he's watching the movie and they're like, oh, he's a pod man from the planet Mars. And then they do it again. And then yeah. just in case you didn't get it, it pans up to a photo of the two of them on the wall. And then it's like him with a, like, a pondering <laughs> look on his face. <laughs> yeah, we get it. We get it. Yeah. Oh, what else? I thought it was pretty good. I, I found myself laughing a bit. There's so much like aggressive bumping into each other in the hallways. Everyone just like throws open the door and runs into neighbors in the hall. I thought that was probably a bit overdone. Um, yeah, I hated that scene. <laughs> it was so chaotic and loud and there was so much going on. Loud but then they did it later as well. It. Yeah. The boy runs out and he runs into, is it Duke? The Marine. Yeah. yeah. The military man. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that, like, I was a bit confused by the ending. I, I don't understand why the troll sacrificed his big plan to save the girl after, like, he was planning on keeping her locked up, I imagine. She was supposed to be the princess when he took over the world or some shit, the one human he would let live. Okay. Which still doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why he would, he was so, he sabotaged his whole plan to save her. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise uh, unless, he absolutely won. Yeah, I mean, unless you want to accept you want to accept that he's like kind of good at heart in some ways. Again, he used to be like this woman's this witch's husband, and he was a wizard, and they were decent people or some shit. I guess there's supposed to be a character arc with the troll, but it does not land. No, it does not. Yeah, so the ending the ending wasn't wasn't amazing, and. Yeah, I guess he's going to stay in that apartment building. So the witch then has to stay in the apartment building, I suppose, to keep an eye on him. Not that she was doing a great job before. But, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that whole concept was a little bit confused. Um, But otherwise, yeah, I I legitimately enjoyed it. I would give it a 7 out of 10. I really – I thought it was a fun movie. Cool, cool. And how much do you remember of it from when you were a kid? Do you just remember being scared or do you remember, you know, actually liking it or not liking it? I think that I quite liked it. I definitely remember the costume, like the main Torox face, like that is implanted in my memory forever. And I remember the little girl being hurt in some way. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't remember much of the story or anything. Oh. All right, yeah. cool. Well, you know, the first thing you guys missed, how do you not met, mention the mushroom person face thing? Yeah. I thought at least Alicia would be like, oh, that was so cute. Or Jordan. <laughs> I didn't think oh, it was of course Jordan, cute. <laughs> well, Jordan owns a fucking Furby. That's true. I do own a Furby. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think of the mushroom? It was good. It's very well behaved whenever she put that lampshade on top of it. It stood up straight. <laughs> Actually, that was adorable. <laughs> it straightened itself. <laughs> The it was fine. Thing. It didn't really stand out. It was just another element of the film. I, right. I wasn't particularly attracted to it. You were attracted to it? to it? He looked like a uh, one of those gray aliens, sort of, except with, yeah, like with, a, big eyes. with like a mushroom head. I don't know. I I did not like him. I didn't. I I didn't find him particularly cute. And his speaking, like when he did speak, which was rare, thankfully, was really obnoxious. So. I also thought it went through the same, like, three motions every time it appeared on screen. So it, uh, there was slight variation, like when it sticks its tongue out at the witch. But How many slight... emotions is a fucking mushroom supposed to have, Dave? <laughs> no, in terms of its Jesus movement. Jesus Christ. In terms so of demanding. And no, yeah. Every time we see a shot of it, almost every time, it goes through the same movements. And I'm like, 
it goes back to the puppetry thing. Okay. So there was that. I'm surprised no one mentioned that, but I guess it didn't land with you guys the way it did with me. I really like that little mushroom thing. I thought that was a good touch because there's something supernatural and positive in it, whereas uh, whereas all the other creatures are, you know, a negative more or less. Uh, again, I really liked the Malcolm character. I figured I was hoping one of you guys would pick up on that. I thought that was really good, and it, it did seem a little bit out of place to have something that deep and uh, maybe you know relevant to the re- to real world issues in the movie. But you know, if this is a movie aimed at kids, maybe that was an attempt to make kids a little more sympathetic to people that are different from them. And I liked that a lot. Uh, the music, you know, that one that whole chant. Don't make me play it again. That chanting thing. You know, that got old real quick, but I liked how at the beginning the music was really setting the mood for fantasy and stuff like that. And I thought that was going to work out pretty good, but it doesn't really hang on to that fantasy feel the whole time. Maybe they should have kept some soft focus or something. I don't know. But it kind of left the fantasy realm a lot, and that kind of messed up the enjoyment of the movie for me. Uh, The fire alarm scene that happens early on is really chaotic, and that like took it killed that whole fantasy feel right away, as did the kid constantly screaming. But, you know, the music, the music, you know, it kind of held the mood and the tone of the movie a little bit. It could have been worse. I mean, it's Richard Band, so you never know what you're going to get. But that chanting definitely got repetitive, and I was real sick of that. You know, I mentioned before the troll's face. I thought it was, they did a good job with that part of it. And the Malcolm Malcolm Elf, the puppet that they used for that, I thought those were both well done. I kind of bummed out, Dave, that you just bagged on the whole movie. You didn't see anything good on it at all. Because I thought there were some bright spots in the movie like that. And uh, the the effects range from passable to good. You know, for the most part, you know, like the stop motion's terrible. I agree with that. Uh, the worst effect in the movie was the matte painting of the Golden Gate Bridge when they do one of the, like, three or four outside shots where they're showing oh, the apartment yeah. building. You see the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. It's what? set in San I Francisco. I don't even remember that. It was yeah, terrible. they have a shot outside. It, it, it looks like a painting. Yeah, and it, it but they shot it in Italy, and it looks like they just went to a thrift shop and got a regular painting and just blue screened that into the movie or something. It was it really looked bad, and I was like, this is pathetic. So <laughs> where does this happen? That's that somewhere between halfway through and towards the end. There's a shot of the outside, and you see the Golden Gate Bridge in the background with like a sunset effect, and it it looks like an impressionist painting that you get from the dollar store or something like that. It was terrible. So, I mean, there's a lot of things in this movie that are off. There's a lot of things that suck. But I'm not a kid anymore. You know, a kid's not going to notice this. And I really think this is more more of a kid's movie. You know, outside of Sonny Bono's transformation scene, there's really nothing jarring or really, really disturbing in the movie. There's nothing close to gore. You know, the, the cinematography made it a little more boring than it should have been. And I just don't like when scenes seem cramped. And to me, I mean, you were talking about how big the apartments are, but you're from Australia and you guys live in like cubby holes. And, you know, we live in giant houses. We have so much space. Well, to to you, they look big. To me, through the whole movie, I felt claustrophobic and cramped. And I don't know if that was intentional because it just seemed like it was because the cameras were trapped in the apartment and they just didn't want to do anything creative with the cinematography. So that slowed it down a lot. As a child, this did scare me. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You know, I was like eight, ten years old or whatever, and I saw it. I thought it was kind of a scary movie because of that whole the parents won't listen to me thing. And you can tell the movie's focused on kids because it's focused on the little sister and the younger brother. So I think it's it's kind of a kid's movie, uh, but it does have some redeeming factors. I only give this like a six out of ten, but I would definitely recommend this if you want to try to get to a younger person, you know, like a third grader into horror. It's an okay movie. I'm not too disappointed. Yeah, it's good. I think I would – can I argue momentarily about the kids' movie thing? How are we going to stop you? 
(laughs) (laughs) So I'd say that giving it a higher rating because it's a kid's movie is not necessarily valid because I judge it. I didn't give it a higher rating because it's a kid's movie. Okay, okay, then never mind. To me, it's a 6 out of 10 movie. I think a kid would enjoy it more than I did. Okay, okay. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? (laughs) All right. So, hey, guys, do you want to check out the mailbag? Yes. Let's see. Let's hear what our listeners have to say. They don't have anything to fucking say. No mail, no comments on the Facebook page, no Twitter stuff, nothing. I know you're out there because people are listening to this, but I guess they just don't want to talk to us. But considering how grating and just, you know, cruel we are to each other, maybe that's understandable. (laughs) So what do you guys think we're going to do next week? You have any ideas? I actually have no ideas. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I didn't put a lot of thought into it, to be honest. I was hoping something would come up when we were discussing this movie that would give me an idea for next week. But I just don't fucking know. So I guess I'll let you guys know in a day or two. Hey, we could do, let's see, we could do Possession. No, what the fuck, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) That was a joke, by the way. Yeah, I bet it was. You were secretly hoping it would come true. But it's not gonna. Alright, so that's the end of episode number 48 of the Horror Explorer Podcast. See you. Bye. Oh, goodbye. Oh, I'm sorry we bored you, Dave. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I'm tired. It's been a long day. I woke up at like 2 p.m. today. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? <laughs> <laughs>